Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Today we're talking to Australian author Garth Nix. Garth's books have sold more than 4.5 million copies around the world and his work has been translated into 36 languages. His books include the award-winning fantasy novels Sabriel, Lyriel and Aborson and the young adult science fiction novel Shades Children. His fantasy novels for children include The Rag Witch, the six books of the Seventh Tower sequence and the Keys to the Kingdom series that begins with Mr Monday, a children's book council of Australia honour book. Garth was born in Melbourne, grew up in Canberra and lives in Sydney. He has worked as a part-time soldier in the Australian Army Reserve, a bookseller, book sales representative, publicist, editor, marketing consultant and literary agent. His books have appeared on the bestseller lists of the New York Times, US Publishers Weekly, The Australian, The Sydney Morning Herald and the UK Sunday Times. He currently lives in a Sydney beach suburb with his wife and two children. Garth, thanks for talking to us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, you write mostly in the fantasy genre, and I'm sure you get asked this question all the time, but where do you get the inspiration from for your books? Well, I think inspiration you know, comes from all over the place, and there's all kinds of different inspirations. I don't think, I doubt that it varies depending on what you write, in a sense. Mm. Um, you know, it's all, all raw material that goes into your head, and then you make of it what you will but certainly you know, I'm inspired just by what, what I see around me by the natural world by what I read what I hear about um, you know it's true I particularly get inspiration from history and from and from myth and legend from what people have believed mm. which is particularly useful you know for fantasy I think you know fantasy stories tend to work best if they have some resonance with readers particularly you know, the fantastical elements so if you do connect them in some way to existing myth or legends or things that that we feel you know have a have a deeper meaning that often helps the story work best. Mm. Um, but in terms of inspiration, you know, I, I get inspired by all, all kinds of things. I might hear a song, and you know, the the emotion of that song will uh, <clears throat> will inspire. Particularly, I think I want to try and you know capture that same emotion in a story, or or I may just get fired up to to want to write because I. You know, I see a great film or see a play or, or uh, you know, have a fantastic walk along the beach. You know, any of these things you know, serve as inspiration or you see you know, two birds fighting with each other in the sky or, you know, something like that. It can, mm. it can spur an idea uh, which, which may come in, you know, in use at some point. Did you read fantasy when you were younger? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I read everything mm. um, and, I, and, I, and I still read very widely and I, I recommend to you know to beginning authors that they do read very widely because you know particularly if you're writing in a genre like fantasy or you know you're writing thrillers or mysteries or whatever if you only read in that genre 
And when it comes time to writing your own material and finding your own voice and style, you have less to draw on if you've only read in, in that one area. And it's likely that you know, you'll be copying someone else as opposed to actually you know, putting together your own. You know, the more that you have in your head, the more variety of stuff, the more I think you'll be able to create your own particular style and find your own voice. So I always recommend you know, reading all kinds of fiction and you know, reading the, the classics. I mean, there's a reason why, why you know, great novels stick around for 100 years or 150 years. Mm. And, and uh, also reading non-fiction too, you know, read, read biographies and history and, and um, you know, all manner of, of non-fiction because I think that also helps you know, fill up the reservoir of your head with, uh, with stuff you can draw upon for your own work. Mm. So yeah, certainly I do get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of inspiration from what I read, uh, but I read, I read a lot of very varied stuff. I think that is helpful if you want to be a writer yourself. So for people who haven't yet discovered your books, what, which one of your books would you recommend for a first-time Garth Nix reader? Well, I think it would depend upon you know, when you were coming to them. Um, I like to think that you know, all my books you know, have an adult appeal as well as you know, uh, appeal to children, but some of them you know, have, have more than others. Um, I, I don't believe in age ranges as such. You know, like, you know, this book is for nine to twelve, you know, or whatever. But I do think they have sort of an entry level where there's probably a reading age, which which may not be, you know, your actual age. Um, there's a sort of reading level age where you can get into them, but there's no upper limit. So, you know, if if for example, you know, you're, you know, a university student or you're thirty and working, probably something like Sobriel would would appeal as you know uh, to you uh, one of my books would appeal would be Sabriel mm. or Shades Children uh, but equally that might appeal if you know, you're 14 um, the Keys to the Kingdom books the entry level is probably 9 or 10 I think you know it's still a good read no matter what age you are but but you know sort of 9 or 10 is where you first come at it I think mm. um, then there's other books you know which start younger or, or older depending on uh, you know on which ones we're talking about I mean Shades Children's probably 13 or 14 plus. Uh, Sabriel and the other Old Kingdom books are probably 13 plus, I would guess. Um, I have a collection of stories for much younger children called One Beastly Beast, which comes out here in Australia uh, later this August, I think. Mm. It's already out in the US and UK, where the entry level is you know, six or seven. Um, so it, it's hard to recommend any, any one particular book and also, it depends. They're quite different. It depends on on, on what you like. Uh, I think I'd give the same advice as I would give for uh, any book, which would be to you know read the blurb on the back and read the first couple of pages and and see how you go. You know, that's sure. pretty much uh, that'll pretty much always tell you what to what to go with. I think. So, does having two young sons help you get into the world of children and young adults, or is that something that you could actually do quite easily, even way before you had kids? I wrote a lot of books before I had children, so um, I would hope so. Um, It it is interesting. I mean, my boys are quite young, uh, almost six and three and a half, and most of my books are for much older, you know, children. Mm. Um, And I really write them for myself, so all the books, everything, you know, I write for me as a reader, and it's for me as I am now, and it is also for me as I was at a particular age. But that said, I I do certainly... uh, you know, fine. I know it's it's interesting to to get a sort of reminder of a child's 
eye view of the world you know, through my thumbs and also through the books, you know, reading to them. I mean, reading picture books to them. I hadn't read picture books, you know, since I was young myself. I had them read to me. Mm. And so it was great to, you know, to re-experience old favourites and find new ones and so on. And and I think also be reminded you know, how difficult it is to write a good picture book. I mean, it's something I would like to do, but I actually think they are extraordinarily difficult because the fewer words you have, the harder it is. Mm. And people get confused about this sometimes. They think, you know, not very many words, it must be easy, but actually I think it's very difficult and it's very difficult to write a meaning, you know, a really good picture book and the world doesn't need any more not very good ones. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something I'd like to do at some point, but uh, I've never done anything to my satisfaction. So that's an area that I rediscovered, you know, with my boys and it'll be interesting to see what... Um, you know what? It, it is interesting to see what you know books they they they're getting into and and, and that appeal to them immediately and and so on. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they think of my books too. Yeah. You know, other than uh, when they they know them, but uh, when they actually get to seriously read them, it'll be uh, possibly uh, an <laughs> interesting experience. I'll be going, Dad, did you write this really? <laughs> Well, hopefully they might be saying, you know, Dad, this is, I read your book, it was rubbish. <laughs> just just because they may go through a phase of that, but you never know. We'll, we'll find out. You mentioned your book, Sabriel, which was published in 1995, and this has been optioned for a film, I understand. Can you tell us about the progress well, it, on this? It, it actually hasn't been optioned um, oh. because I've, I've taken a different path. Um, and this, this, to, to avoid a long-winded explanation, I mean, one of the ways authors can sell the film rights is to just sell an option to a producer or a studio where where you know, they can choose to make the, the film you know they, they buy an option and then and then may choose to exercise it at some point um, I actually chose not to do that because once you do you know sell an option on, on the work you effectively sold the film rights whether, you know, whether they choose to exercise them or not mm. so you have no influence over what happens you know once you take the money that's that's it, basically. They can just get rid of you. Mm. Um, I didn't want to do that. So, in fact, for Sabriel, what I've done is I've teamed up with... I've taken a packaging road, as they've called it, where I've actually assembled, or with assistance have assembled, a, a package, which is me uh, co-writing the script with uh, Dan Futterman, who wrote Capote, mm. uh, and was Oscar-nominated for the, the screenplay he wrote of that. Mm. Uh, we have... Uh, Anand Tucker, the director on board, uh, whose best-known film is Hillary and Jackie, which is a wonderful film. And we've all teamed up together with uh, the production company Plan B, which is Brad Pitt's production company. And so right. with that package, we're trying to now sell all of us, including you know the rights to the book, to, to a studio. It, it's just a different way of doing things. Um, so that, at the moment, you know, we have... All, we have that team assembled, and we're in negotiation. We're actually currently in negotiations to see if we can uh, get uh, to get a studio or one of the production companies to actually to pick that up and uh, and uh, and run with it. So, is that a steep learning curve for you? Because it's a whole other world, really. Yeah, it's been. I mean, I've just been in Hollywood for a couple of weeks, um, doing you know the we're, we're, we've we've been as a team pitching the the book to the studios. Um, which was a very educational experience. I had a little bit to do with this sort of thing in the past because I was an agent mm. with Curtis Brown for some years. Um, but it, it, very different from 
and I did do you know options and film agreements and so on. But but from here, it's quite different from being in the sort of heart of of, of you know Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, so it's been a very edu- it's been an educational experience, and it, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens because mm, even having even having assembled you know these people with you know, their great track record and their fantastic, mm. you know, we still might not, we still might not uh, get anywhere, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll be hearing good things about it. Oh, you never know. <laughs> I've spoken to authors uh, who say that when they look back on some of their books, they actually wish they could have changed the ending or changed certain bits. But, of course, now it's too late because the book is out. Are there any of your books where you've wanted to change the ending long after you've finished writing them? No, not at all. And in fact, I can't understand that uh, that attitude at all. I mean, I'm not always happy with the books, uh, and typically, that's because you know when you imagine the story, it's always much better than it is when you, know, when you write it. You can never capture what's in your mind, you know, as well as you know, I can never capture what's in my mind as well as I, I would like. Mm. However, having written the book, you know, once it's actually you know, completely edited and it's finished and it's out there. To me, it's it's there. It exists. It's like you know, it's like a person or whatever. You, you can't change it. It's, it's got its own life, and off it's gone, and it's going to live that life. Um, I always just want to move on. I'm always interested in what's next, not what I've done in the past. You know, I I want to write a new book and and try and make that new book better and closer to to what I imagine. So no, I I I never want to change anything. I mean, uh, so I may not be entirely happy with them, but they are what they are. You know, for for good or ill. Speaking of new books, what are you working on now? What are your projects that you're working on now? Well, at the moment, I'm, uh, I, as always, I'm juggling a variety of things. And, and I, I like to do that, but I'm mostly working on Lord Sunday, which is the final book in my uh, series, The Keys to the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Book six, Superior Saturday, has just come out this month. Mm-hmm. And uh, the seventh book, uh, Lord Sunday, is, is my sort of main project at the moment. But on my desk at at the moment, I'm also writing a story for an American anthology. I'm working on the graphic novel adaptation of Sabriel, which is, is underway. Um, I have some notes about a couple of other other writing projects. So there's always there's always tons of stuff floating around, but mostly I'm mostly I'm working on Lord Sunday. So, is it easy to get into? the world that you've created? Is it something that, you know, when you sit down at your computer or wherever you write, you can easily just immerse yourself into that world? And when you emerge from your office or wherever it is that you write, you know, you're back in the real world again? How does that work for you? Um, it, it varies. I mean, I think I, I, do, have a, I do have a separate office. You know, I, walk, I walk from home to it. And in that walk, I think that's part of sort of gearing up to, to, to write. Um, though typically the first few hours of, of, of my day are sort of you know with doing admin and answering emails and and uh, you know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I do sit down and start to write, I just I do slowly, often quite slowly, get into it. But I just force myself to, to stay with it. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I you know the, the more I write, the more I, I do get drawn into what I'm doing, and it slowly accelerates. But it usually takes me. You know, it takes about eighty percent of the total time I spend in writing a book to write the first, you know, half. Mm. You know, the, the, the first, the first half of the book takes, you know, way more time than than, than the second half because I slowly build up momentum and uh, you know get drawn into into the story and so on. So, 
but it, mostly I just have to I have to force myself to uh, you know, to return to it uh, as with any work. I think I'm and I'm naturally lazy. I would avoid it if I could. And in terms of the actual practical aspect of your writing process specifically, do you type straight into your computer? Some people say that they have to do it longhand because that's the only way for it to come out. What What do you do? Well, I do both. Um, most of my earlier novels I did write longhand. First of all, I would write a chapter longhand and then I would type it up on the computer and in the typing would change it. So you know, the, the, the first printed out version would be a second draft. Mm. Um, and I used to you know, write the whole book like that. I, you know, I'd write a chapter, type it up, handwrite another chapter. Um, but I stopped doing that probably the last sort of six or seven or probably eight books um, where I do a bit of both. So I often will just type on the computer, just straight out type several chapters. But then if I get to a difficult spot, I, I will I will handwrite that chapter or I may handwrite just a passage, a few pages. Um, sometimes, you know, when I'm travelling, even though I've got a laptop with me, I would prefer to write longhand. Sometimes even here, I just will go and sit out the back of the office in the sun and write longhand just to get away from the screen. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I find that I can, you know, I can work either way and just work out what, what works for you. I mean, I, I think the trick is not, not to convince yourself that you have to work in a particular way or you have to have a special pen or have a special <laughs> writing hat or whatever. Because <laughs> once you start thinking you've got to have special conditions to write, you're really just making excuses for not doing it. You know, or you have to have an attic, or you have to be mm. a full-time writer, or whatever. You know, none of that is true. It's just, you know, we all do it. I think, and I, I catch myself sometimes, you know, starting to imagine reasons and things that I have to have, or you know, conditions that have to be met before I can do it. And I just force myself to you know, well, stop, stop that, and just get on with it. Because a great part of writing isn't just the inspiration; it's just discipline, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly discipline, actually. I think. You know, and I also think the inspiration comes if you know if if the discipline is there. Mm. But quite often, you know, I'll, I, I'm I'm not feeling inspired, or mostly not feeling inspired when I start to write. But but if if I do start to write, then then you know, I think the inspiration will come, or the energy will will come. But of course, you know, if you you wait for the inspiration, then you'll also still be waiting. Mm. Nothing will be written. Um, and the more the more you write, the more you you will find. So what other advice would you have for aspiring writers? Like what tips might you have for them to make their writing process easier? Well, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that's important is, is to write, you know, for its own sake and not, not worry about, you know, whether it's going to be published or whether it's going to be successful or anything. You know, initially there's plenty of time to, to, to you know, to get neurotic about all that stuff. You know, don't do it before you've written the novel or, you know, don't worry about how you're going to sell the novel or how to find an agent or whatever it, because you have to write it first and it should be the most important thing. And also just write what you what you want to write and write what you love. Um, it doesn't, you know, maybe it isn't the you know, the hottest genre or, you know, all things that are you think are in demand at, at present. It's I, I still believe, and this is from the perspective you know, of an ex-editor and an ex-agent as well as an author myself, that... You know, the best books are always the ones where the people, you know, the people just wrote what they wanted to write and mm. then tried to work out what to do with it, you know, as opposed to the other way around. Um, and, and practically, I think the other thing too, you don't need to be a full-time writer. Um, there does seem to be a sort of 
trend in that direction that people think they need to be full time. Mm. But in, you know, you don't. Um, I wrote most of my books, you know, still more than half of my novels, while I had very busy full time jobs. And most authors I know, you know, either do have jobs or and I have had busy jobs. But if you just write even just a few hours, you know, a week and mm. uh, maybe four or five hours on on the weekend, you can write a novel in a year. You know, I used to write every Sunday afternoon for about four hours. And if you do that, I think, uh, you know, you can, you can still finish a novel in a year or a year and a half mm. um, and, just, and just sticking with it. I mean, in terms of practical tips, um, there's all kinds of, you know, sort of psychological uh, you know, encouragement devices you can use. One of the things I've always done is uh, when I do finish a chapter, you know, when it's typed for the first time on the computer, I just do a word count. You know, I want, you know, get the computer to do a word count. I write down the word count and the date, and I keep a running total as, as I go, you know, in, a, in one of my writing books. Mm. So I can look at it and feel like, uh, you know, I am making progress or look at it and think, well, I need to write some more. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not writing enough. Mm. And as you progress, you know, when you've got 20 chapters down and you know, the word count is at you know, 60,000 or whatever, you think, well, you know, I'm really getting there. And I find that encouraging. Mm. Um, so I think there's there's so many different ways. And I guess this is also advice: is that you know, writers work in very many different different ways, and you don't have to write like anybody else does. Uh, you don't have to have the same techniques. No, no one. You know, one lot of writing advice will will suit everybody, or or even very many people. Uh, you you may find that your own techniques and practices are quite different from, from other people's, and I, you know it's whatever works for you is, is what will work. I would I again wouldn't be too concerned if uh, uh, you work in a different way than you know, than someone else, or work in a different way from someone whose work you admire. You know, you've got to find your own way. Mm, do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. You've had many books published, and another one's about to come out. Do you still get excited about it? Is it it's when you see the book on the on the bookshelf? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I still get very excited. We know when the advanced copies arrive. You know, and I still find it quite surprising. I mean, I actually am always surprised when I finish one, you know, mm. let alone when I actually see it in you know published and you know in covers. Um, and I also always doubt them. Part, part of the way through the process. You doubt well. them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I get halfway through and I think, oh, I can't do this anymore. I've forgotten how to write. You know, <laughs> it all sucks. And uh, I have to, you know, I have to tell myself that I always feel like this. I did, and I have to keep going. You know, I force myself to keep going. I think, okay, well, maybe it does. Maybe it is all rotten. But I can go back and fix it up. So I'll just keep going forward. You know, and I'm constantly going back and fixing things up. I, you know, I constantly revise as I work. So, but I always force myself to keep going, and I, you know, I get typically I get to the end, and I realise that it's actually not as bad as I thought, and the bits that I really don't like, I do fix up, and you know, it ends up, it ends up all right. Um, so you know, I have that doubt, and then and then when a book when the book, you know, actually arrives, I'm always very excited mm. because it is, you know, it is the new book, <laughs> it is what I've been working on. Yes. Uh, you know, as I said, the old books have their have their lives of their own. This is the new one. That's come out, so it is still very exciting. So, finally, tell us about your new book and what you love about it. Um, the new book is Superior Saturday. It's it's been out for a couple of weeks, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the sixth book in the Keys to the Kingdom series. I, I, I guess what I 
particularly like about this book and and I like even more about the next one is that I've been telling a very big story across the whole series and I've had to try and make them stand alone as much as they can mm. while also telling you know telling the big story so that, that in a way you know they have to work by themselves they're also like chapters in a very very big book and in Superior Saturday because I'm getting towards the end I've been able to start bringing in you know, to start to explain stuff to start to to make some of the you know the big story more apparent and uh, you know catch up on all the things that I've been sort of hinting at and so on and and it is building momentum you know towards the end it's all building up to, to the climax of the whole big story so the energy is you know is, is increasing and, and getting there so I, I guess that's yeah, you know, I guess one of the things I like about it is, is that it is the second last book of this series, and I really, I really want to finish this series and, and finish that that whole big story because I've been working on it for, well, since I started thinking about it, really about uh, eight years. So you know, it's quite a long time. So I'm very keen to to uh, to wrap it all up and and to, to get to to get to this story I've been trying to tell for you know for eight years to try mm. and try and finish it. And finally, tell us, paint us a picture of five years' time. What will you be doing? That's a very good question. I might be <laughs> taking a holiday in five years' time. Um, Hopefully, before already, five years. <laughs> I already have. I mean, I already have several books you know, laid out ahead. Um, you know, after the series, I have a standalone uh, sort of space opera novel due, right. uh, and then I've got two more novels in. in World of the Old Kingdom, the Sabriel and, and Lorella Pawson books. So I have I have three books lined up, as well as uh, you know, to write, as well as uh, you know, other other projects like the Sabriel film and mm. and so on. So yeah, who knows? I mean, I think the thing with predictions is that you're always completely wrong <laughs> about where you'll be in five years. I hope I'll still be writing books and uh, and uh, and enjoying myself. So that that's what I hope for in five years. I'm sure you will be. Anyway, thank you for talking to us today, Garth. That's right. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au or on my personal website, valeriekoo.com. That's valerie, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>